Well, I just praise God for this opportunity to come to this church. The last time I preached in Queens was in 1972 in a church. Uh, they didn't take us on, so we never got back to Queens, but it's good to be back and fellowship with you folks here. Um, I grew up in upstate New York, came to New York a couple times to see Yankee games and Met games and so on, but uh, it's good to be back. And we appreciate you as a fellowship. Um, our biggest concern with Jeremy coming to the States uh, was, well, will they find a church? And we're so thankful for this fellowship and the, the ability that they've had to, to uh, serve here. As, as hard as it is for us, believe me, I'm very emotional today to, to know they're, they're here and we're over there. But uh, we praise God for you and for the fellowship here. As I thought about a portion of scripture uh, one has been on my heart uh, in the book of Joshua, one of my very favorite characters. Uh, before I go there, however, I want to quote a verse for a couple of verses that you know, and if you haven't studied them yet, you will soon in Romans. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the question I want to ask you today, why did God save me? You think God saved you just to free you from going to hell? Or do you believe that he saved you for a purpose? And there is a ministry that he has called you to do. It may be in the shop. It may be in the classroom or it may be around the world. I want to I want to dispel any fears. I'm not here to buttonhole people to come to Italy. Although I could take all of you to Italy today and place you in cities where there is no gospel testimony. In Italy, less than one half of 1% would claim to be evangelical Christians. That's the mission field we have, and God has placed before us. Well, please uh, open your Bibles with me to Joshua 1. I love Joshua. Of course, his name in, in Greek, Greek is Jesus. <laughs> and just a wonderful example of faith, uh, a type uh, of our Savior. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. 
I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall come to this people to inherit, you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swear to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous, be not frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Heavenly Father, we are gathered today to worship you, to lift up the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who took our place on Calvary. Our burden, Lord, is that there are people all around us who do not know you, people who are destined to an eternal damnation unless they repent. Lord, I pray that you'll challenge each of us as your children concerning the responsibility that is ours today of sharing your gospel. And Lord, if there might be one person here who has never personally repented of their sin and trusted the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ in their place on the cross, that today for them might be that day of salvation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua is such an example of faith for us. And I want to talk to you today about how we can answer God's call in our life. Obviously, we know about God's call to salvation. But God's call to salvation is also a call to service. He doesn't call us to put us on a shelf somewhere. He calls us to use us for his glory. And... um, my question to, for you today is, have you discovered God's call in your life? Have you discovered the reason for which God saved you? First of all, we see Joshua answered God's call in a time of need. A time of need. Now, God's call is not constituted by need. Um, although I have to say, I believe that Italy is one of the last pioneer mission fields in the world. You say, oh, is that possible? Well, you look in some of the communist countries, you look in some of the Arab countries, there is a huge underground church. And Italy, you could go miles and not see a gospel preaching church. I have to confess, when I come back to America, as I drive and I pass 10, 15, 20 churches on the way, I'm not saying they're all great churches, but where the gospel in some form is being preached, I'm a little jealous. Great need. And when God called us to serve him, I tell the story in my book, we, we felt God, I felt God was going to take us to Africa. And our first date, I told Rachel, now I'm going to be a missionary in Africa. So if that doesn't uh, 
appeal to you. We won't waste a lot of time around here. Well, actually, we were accepted to go to Liberia, Africa, on our honeymoon. We went to a seminar. And in that seminar, God very strangely turned the page on us and put us in Italy. And I have to confess, one of the factors in that was seeing a tremendous need, a place where the gospel was not being preached. Well, here's Joshua, who for 40 years has carried Moses' satchel in the desert. Now, he didn't deserve that. Joshua had been one of two spies to come back and say, we can do it. God can do it. We can conquer this land. And the majority, the majority voted him down. And with that majority, he spent 40 years in the desert. It wasn't his fault, but he was there. And he faithfully carried Moses' satchel. And I don't believe for one minute Joshua said, oh, I can't wait till Moses dies. I'm going to be number one here. You know, we have that feeling today, you know, you know, in the workplace. Oh, I can't wait to get rid of that guy. I want to step up and take his place. You know, that wasn't his feeling. He was there to serve. He was there to serve. And you can imagine how crushed he was when Moses was taken to heaven. So crushed, I'm sure he didn't know what his next step was going to do. But God said to him, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's the reality. Now stand up and lead this people. So Joshua answered God's call in a time of need. Moses was gone. As I think about the ministry in Italy, when God challenged us about that field, uh, it was a field that had been so greatly overlooked. Maybe because it's difficult, <laughs> but every field is difficult. Uh, I think your field here is very difficult. But a field that missionaries, maybe we like to go on tours to Italy. Maybe we like to see the scenery, go on vacation, go to the sea. I love history. It's a wonderful place. But how many are willing to put their lives there to serve God? Not very many. Not very many. A time of need. I would ask you this question as we begin this morning. You say, well, I'm not, I was never called to be a missionary. Were you called to not be a missionary? Were you called to your place of employment? I trust you were. God needs, and the church needs, godly laymen who serve God in the workplace and are light for the gospel. He, he needs those people. And a church could not live without that. But it's important that we're doing it because God put us there. And we know God put us there. That helps us overcome all the difficulties that we face. So Joshua answered God's call in a time of need. 
He also answered God's call after a time of preparation. He had carried Moses' satchel for 40 years. Can you imagine? He was with Moses as they climbed the hill up on Sinai. He saw Moses do fantastic miracles. He saw God provide in incredible ways. And he was there. He was there. So many times people come to Christ and, you know, I, I was the same way as a child, a young person growing up. You, you have a lot of zeal, a lot of ideas, and uh, we want to just get him, go get him. But you know, it's important that we're prepared before we step out. Preparation, preparation. And preparation can be in a school, but preparation for sure is going to be in God's Word. It's going to be in God's Word every day. When I was in junior high, we, back in those days up in upstate New York, uh, one hour a week, we would leave the school premises, and actually we went to a Masonic Hall, but anyways, we had a Bible study for an hour a week. And the lady who dedicated herself to coming and doing this study for us repeated one phrase till I just see it in my eyes when I close, when I close my eyes. No Bible, no breakfast. If you don't have time to read God's word before you go to school in the morning, you don't have time to eat. Because it's more important that you spend time with God than you feed your physical needs. No Bible, no breakfast. And I praise God for that training as I grew up. And it is so important that we are familiar with God's word. We can't go out, now I'm not saying you have to know the Bible perfectly before you can give a testimony of faith and share the gospel. But we need to know God's word. And we need to be in God's word every day. Well, Joshua answered God's call after a time of preparation. And uh, many times as we're moving along in life, we're gonna have opportunities to serve I've heard people say, oh, I'm not cut out to work in the nursery. How do you know that? Have you ever done it? Can you imagine the impact? Our children basically grow up with, and it's wonderful, the mothers who are able to teach the children, but can you imagine the impact of a godly man in a Sunday school class? I'm so thankful as I was a teenager, I had a very godly man who taught our class so many times we, we, would, we would like to do something, but you would say, well, that's not my, my thing. You know? Well, we need to be willing to try. And one of my purposes, in, as I want to challenge you today about serving God, is to look at yourselves and say, where could I serve in this local church? What could I do? I tell people of our church about our first deacon, first unsaved deacon. He wasn't saved. He came to church only because he wasn't a deacon, but he came to church only because his wife had been saved. And he came, but he was the kind of guy as a lost man. Praise now, he's praise God, he's now saved. But as a lost man, he'd come in the church, and if he saw a light bulb was out, he'd go buy a light bulb, put it in. He 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 was just always looking for what he could do to improve things. That's what a deacon's supposed to be doing, practical things. Well, one day, 
And he took over standing at the door giving out Bibles. And so one day, and his wife talked to me about this too, I said to him, I said, Claudio, I appreciate your love for our church. I appreciate what you want to do to help out. But you know, you've really never made a step of faith. And uh, we really have members here that need to be working in the church and you're taking their jobs. So I'm gonna ask you just, when you come, when you come Sunday, just come in, sit down and, and listen to the preaching. He was crushed. But you know what happened? A week later, I was at his house for a Bible study. He wanted to pray and accept Christ into his life and repented of sin. And, and what, a, what a lesson. But all this just to tell you, uh, as we serve God, we don't need to think about what can I do. I want to be up front. I want to be in the praise band. Or I want to do this. Find the most simple, non-obvious need in the church. And I just imagined if about five or six people after the message come up to Pastor Matt and say, could you give me an idea of something I could do to help out in the church? I'm a member, but I just haven't gotten involved. I'm sure that after he picks himself up off the floor, he will have something for you to do, serving. But we need to prepare. Why? Because the most simple job that you do serving God right now in this local church Someday, the Lord may say, hey, I want you to do this for me. And you're going to be so thankful for that experience. I remember when we, we filled out our application to become missionaries with baptism in missions. Lo and behold, there's a question. Have you ever led somebody to Christ? Well, praise God we had. But can you imagine somebody said, I want to be a missionary. And when I'm a missionary, I'm going to talk to people about Jesus when I'm a missionary. No, that's part of your life. That's part of your growth. And here we see Joshua that had faithfully served God all that time as a servant of Moses. It's interesting, I won't take time to look into it, but there, the word servant is used three times here, and each time it's a different Hebrew word. But it has to do with, with being there to do somebody, work for somebody else without even recognition, but doing the job. So after a time of preparation, and it may mean for someone to say, well, I want to, I want to preach the word. I want to get out and minister in some way. It may mean doing a school. Sacrifices have to be made to serve God. But whatever it is, and you have, a, you have a school here every Sunday morning. If you were not in Sunday school, you are getting some great training. And you need to get it because you don't know where it's going to come in handy in the future. And I appreciate being in a church where you have the outline printed up. I've done it in my church for 45 years, just because it's so nice during the week, someone has an opportunity to share Christ, and well, hey, look what we, look what we studied in church Sunday. And you can go through, and if, if you had to memorize and learn it, or write it down, you probably didn't do that. But you have the bulletin, you can just point out, this is what we study in church. And it could be a great tool for our evangelism as well. Well, he answered God's call after time of preparation. And when it was time to step up, he was ready.
He didn't think he was ready. He didn't feel he was God's gift to, to the people of Israel. But God said, stand up, stand up. Get up, and here we see his answer to God's call, believing in his promises. Believing that God's going to do something. I think back in my own experience, um, I was 12 years old when at a missions conference, God challenged my heart about being a missionary. And I stepped out and I said, yes, God, if you don't want me on the mission field, close the door, but I'm heading that way. My dad always, he, my dad was a pastor for 53 years. My dad always used to say, don't be afraid to go the extra mile for God. The traffic is very light. <laughs> and when God calls you to do something, you may be alone. You may be alone. But he will lead you. So he answered God's call, believing in his promises. What, what would it be? We've all heard the joke about the the door-to-door salesman who goes to the door and knocks on the door and says, nobody's home, I hope, I hope, I hope, because he didn't really want to talk to somebody. Well, what are you going to accomplish? And you, when you're talking with people about the Lord, I've had people say, well, I would love to talk to somebody about the Lord, but I just don't have any opportunity. And I say, I guarantee you, if you start praying and asking God to give you an opportunity, he will give it to you on a silver platter. And then you need to step through that opportunity. Well, Joshua answered God's call, believing in his promises. First of all, God said, get up, get up. You know, inertia is a great thing if you're moving. But if you're standing still, inertia is a force to be overcome. He had to stand up. He had to stand up. Get up. Cross over this Jordan. Now, God didn't say... By the way, Joshua, up the Jordan River about 15 kilometers, there's a nice little narrow spot with stones you can kind of walk across. It was flood time. The river was flooded. He says, I want you to cross this Jordan right here, right here. And you know, God doesn't call us to do easy things for him. For him. And I think about serving God as a missionary, it's not the easiest thing. But knowing that you're doing what God has called you to do, you can depend on him for whatever you might need. Cross this Jordan. If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? <laughs> but we trust God for difficult situations, knowing that he is going to provide Cross this Jordan to enter the land that I gave to the children of Israel. Joshua, I gave this land to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It's your land. Just go in and take it over. Just go in and take it over. This Jordan. When I think back about God's call in our life to, to Africa, we were, um, I was challenged by a missionary in Africa, and I said, yeah, I'm going to go there and serve. We're going to go to a little country, Liberia. Um, they minister in English. Um, in the little country of about a million people, just our mission had 40 people, 40 missionaries. 
Wow, that's going to be pretty neat. You're going to fit in, you know. No, I said, God, no, you're going to go to Italy. Italy. And learn a language. And that's another whole story. Uh, learning a language. We got up, stepped off a plane. Didn't know a word of Italian. Well, I knew pizza, lasagna, cappuccino. <laughs> but um, we heard all these people, Louis, Louis. I said, boy, a lot of guys named Louis here in Italy. That just means he, you know. <laughs> but... God gave grace. We were able to learn this language. My son will tell you I still make mistakes, and I would never print something that I wrote in Italian without having my kids check it. That's for sure. But God calls to do difficult things, and he provides at that time. Take this people over this Jordan. This Jordan. And then... Joshua answered God's call with confidence in his promises. If God said it, he will do it. And I think of years. I mean, we had our first baptisms, too, after nine years that we opened our little gospel hall. One of them was my oldest son, Jonathan. One of them, the little lady, Maria, who's with the Lord now. Nine years. And one thought that continually came through my mind as I got up in the morning, as I had my devotions, and then I headed out to serve in various ways, meeting people, reaching out, was this is not, it's not my job to save anybody. But I am a messenger. I have to give the gospel out. God will work. And another, another thought that kept us going, and believe me, we've been in Italy 50 years. Just with our mission, we've seen 20 missionaries come and go for many reasons. But the thought, when the Lord gave the parable of uh, the talents, what did the Lord, the Master, say to those servants? He gave them the talents, and then he said, Occupy till I come. And the thought that kept me going, kept us going, we never talked about quitting. Uh, did we? No, I don't think we did. But the thought that kept us going was this commandment. We're going to go there, and it's our job to get the gospel out to these people. And we're going to do this until Jesus comes. Until he comes. Confidence in the promises of God. So God says to Joshua, As just as I said to Moses. Now in this translation it says promise. I'm already doing, you know how sometimes, sometimes with the King James, sometimes you well, actually, in the Greek, or actually in Hebrew, you don't do that here. This is pretty good, really good. But he says, um, as I promised, and that's the word, as I promised to Moses, I would, be, I would be with you. That has got to be a great thing for Joshua. He's so afraid. What am I going to do? And God said, look. Whatever I promise to Moses, I'm going to do for you too. And you know, we think about history, church history. 
one of my, one of my many interests. What God has done in the past through his people should encourage each of us to be strong. But in order to know about that, we have to read missionary biographies, you know, stories of these people's lives. And I just have to say, when God uh, enabled us to put our thoughts down on book, on this history book, it's, it's his story, God's story, his story in Italy. It was, the thought was this, maybe some of these fantastic things that God has done for us will encourage somebody else to say, wow, maybe God could do that for me too. And I'm sure as we read missionary biographers and see how God has supplied in the past for his people in incredible ways, it's the same God today. He can do for us what he did for them if we will just obey him and follow him. Just as I promised to Moses, verse 3. And then verse 5, just as I was with Moses. Do you get it, Joshua? I'm going to do for you just what I did for Moses. Don't be afraid. Trust me. And then the last verse, verse 9 says, I will be with you. I will not leave or abandon you. Does that sound like something the Lord Jesus said to his apostles as he's sending them out? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And lo, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then the end he says, and lo, I am with you always. You ever feel alone? Well, you're not in God's will. If you're in God's will, he's with you. You're never alone. And as we step out to serve God in situations that seem utterly impossible, we know that God is right with us. I remember we got to Perugia. We arrived at Perugia on the 3rd of January, 1973. Rainy, foggy, cold. They put us up in this dive of a hotel right by the train station. Uh, it was depressing. And we cold. They didn't need heat. The hotel was freezing. And we're in a room just... And it was so discouraging. We're thinking, what in the world are we ever going to see happen here? And you walk, take a walk, and everybody's talking this strange language. I have no idea what they're saying. Even the kids on the street can't understand a thing. And then you see one huge Catholic church after another. Not every block. Every, in the same block sometimes. These huge churches. And you think, we're going to have an impact here? As we look back on it, God has been so good to us. Uh, I know when Pastor Matt comes and visits us, and we're walking down the street of Perugia, and total strangers come up to me and say, hi, well, how do you know him? Yeah. Like uh, so many people, because of the TV outreach God has given us, that we were very, very well known. I was talking to a guy one time, and I said, you know, well, I don't know why you think I'm so well known. He said, are you kidding me? You're a, you are a... a Icon, did you say that in English? You, you are just, your image in Perugia, you, you've just been around so long. Well, praise God, not because of us, for sure. For the opportunities he gave us. So God says to Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you abandoned. And then the last section, verses 7 to 9 here, 
we see that we need to answer God's call with the assurance of God's blessing and his power in our lives as we are faithful to him. You can't expect God's blessing if you're not faithful to him, if you're not faithful to his word, if you're not obeying, like, I'm sorry, when, when a, a Christian comes up to me and says, I know it's God's will for me to marry this unsaved guy. I said, no, <laughs> that is not God's will. You're not listening to the voice of God. Or I know it's God's will because he wants me to do something that's wrong. I don't think so. I don't think so. But if we obey God in our life, we have a right to expect his greatest blessings and his power in our lives. So God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous you will be success, successful. Well, what is success for you? Money in the bank, kids healthy, a job I like. You know, if you, if you like your job, you never go to work a day in your life. If you don't go, if you don't like it, ugh, it's pretty hell tough. What is success? I believe that success for me is pleasing God in my life. Success for me is someday to hear my Savior say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That is success. It's not how many thousands of people did you lead to Christ? We got a letter one time from one of our churches. We had churches that send us at the end of the year, you know, summary about our, our mission and what we're doing. That's good. They invite, invest money, so it should. But we get this letter, it says, okay, last year, how many conversions? How many baptisms? We'd been on the field probably 20 years at this time. I wrote back, I said, well, actually, last year, we had zero conversions. We had zero baptisms. But 59 people clearly rejected the gospel. They never sent me another one of those things. <laughs> well, our success depends on God's blessing. And our success is pleasing him with our life. To serve him in whatever job he gives us. And it's going to start in this local church. It's not going to start outside the local church. Serving God is in the local church. And then he can move us on. He can use us. But that's our success to someday hear from the music words. Well done, a good and faithful servant. Be strong and courageous. You'll be successful. And then God says, be strong and very courageous. Joshua, do you understand what I'm saying? You have to be strong. God is not going to call a weakling, a scaredy cat. <laughs> He's going to call a person who in their weakness is willing to say, God, I trust you with this. I trust you. Because when we are weak, he could show his power. I'm a little bit afraid of people who are so good at everything. They're just top. They're just the best. Because they think they're good and they can do it on their own. It doesn't happen that way. God is glorified 
in the weakness of his servants who recognized their strength coming from him. But he says, be strong and very courageous. And how is this going to happen? We see it right here in the text. First of all, you have to obey God's law. God's work done in God's way is going to bring God's blessings. That's the way it goes. It always works like that. But God's work that is not done in God's way is not going to bring God's blessing. Obey the law of God. Jesus said in John 14, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And that's how we show our love. Obeying. Obeying. So we obey the law of God and we meditate on the law of God. It's not enough to just breeze through a, a reading and say, I got it done. It's something we need to pass our through the day, remember, because so many times I've had a situation where I've read something in the morning and I'll face a situation. I say, thank you, Lord. I, I really needed that this morning. I didn't know I needed it, but I did. Thank you. Um, and I love this illustration, of course, from, from Psalm 1. It talks about the blessed man who meditates on the word. And this word meditate, of course, you know, coming out of Hebrew, talks about uh, an animal or sheep or a cow or something, they go out in the sun and they eat that grass and then they go back and lay down in the shade and little by little their stomach sends up this grass and they masticate it and chew it and get all the good out of it, send it back down and then there's another some more comes up, they do the same thing. When we meditate on God's word, that's what we do. We bring back into our, our mind the word that we have let, read, and we think about it, and we think about it, and we pray it, and we repeat it, meditate on the law of God. And then we need to know completely and follow the law of God by our experience. And it says that uh, down here to, toward the end, talk about how this law of God it has to be a part of our life. And we, we show it. We demonstrate it. And this word know, to know by experience, not knowing in the head, knowing by experience. And it's, it's wonderful be to tell somebody, you know, you have to trust God. He will meet your needs according to his riches and glory. He will meet your needs. Maybe not your wants, but your needs. And if I haven't faced situations in my life where I had my head against the wall and I didn't know what in the world, how would I ever solve a problem if I hadn't had that experience and many of them to see God step in and do something wonderful? How could I give that encouragement to somebody else? That's part of life, part of getting ready to serve God, to know and completely follow God's law. And see how he provides. I tell a story in the book about the night that Jeremy and his brother were involved in a car accident. And we were uh, four hours away with icy roads. The police said, don't you try even driving across there. We couldn't even move. Um, Jeremy in the hospital couldn't even remember one thing from a minute to the next. 
always asking, what time is it or what day is it or what's going on? And to have to trust that night we laid in bed praying that in the morning we'd be able to make this trip and get out there. But God worked it all out. But it was a pretty tough moment. And say for parents, today's Mother's Day. Praise God for the mothers. And the happiest, most godly mother is going to be the mother who says, this child is not mine. It's God's. And so, God, I could just trust you when my baby has high fever, when, when I'm facing this crisis. Uh, and there are so many of them out there today. But to understand that our children, are, they belong to the Lord. They belong to the Lord. But we have to lo- live this if we're going to challenge others about it as well. No, completely follow the law of God. And then enjoy the blessings and obedience of the blessings of obedience to the law of God. When we obey God and see him provide, it's a joy. It's easy for me to say now, after all these years, we tend to forget the bad things, believe me. Trust me. I tell my, my kids they're young and they've got a lot of little kids and they're not sleeping at night. And, and I say, you know, these are the best days of your life. <laughs> really? <laughs> But uh, to look back and, and see how God has met incredible needs just gives us courage to keep going and be thankful for the blessings. But if we're disobeying, if we're walking away from God, if we're disregarding his law, his rules, his commandments, every bad thing that happens to us, we ask for it. We deserve it. So we need to trust God and follow his commandments so that when time goes by, we can look back and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for how you met that need. I had my doubts. I didn't know how I was going to end up. But you came through. Thank you. Enjoy God's blessing. And then for the third time, He says, be strong and courageous. By this time, I think Joshua was starting to get the idea. God had to repeat it three times for him. Be strong and courageous. Without fear. He he talks about it here. Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. We've gone through a terrible time with this pandemic. And I've lost... Friends who are with the Lord because of it. Family members. But you know, for a Christian to live in total fear is total disobedience. When I was born, God knew when he was going to bring me home. And if God knew he was going to bring me home home during COVID, I'm going to be careful. I'll wash my hands, my mask, all those things. But uh, I don't know about the back, the back. So, anyways, uh, God is God knows when He's going to take me home. He knows that. Now I'm not going to step in front of, in front of a Mack truck. But God knows when He's going to bring me home, and we cannot live in fear. And you know, God knew as He's talking to Joshua, there are going to be times of terrible fear. You're going to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. 
So without fear, don't be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Maybe it doesn't happen as quickly as we'd like things to happen. You come and visit our church today, and we're coming back from COVID. Uh, we were like about 120 people before COVID. We're coming back little by little. But you come to my church today, and what joy, a praise band. It's wonderful. But you don't think about the fact that for 33 years, we were in a, a building, well, about as big as half. Our worship time place was about a, about a half of one half of this auditorium. 33 years. But we trusted God and just kept going forward. Don't be dismayed. If a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, our time schedule is not always his. We had a wonderful family that came to the field. And when they stepped off the plane, they said, we're going to give it 10 years to see what happens. Well, I don't think you can do that to God. I mean, they're gone almost to the day in 10 years. We can't give God a time schedule. But we know God's timing is perfect. It's perfect. Without discouragement, if it doesn't happen as quickly as we'd like to see it happen. And then finally, without limits. He says at the end, I, the Lord, your God, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What do we want more than that? God is with us. And the sky is the limit. I remember as a 12-year-old, when I came and said, I consecrated my life for missions. I could never have dreamed upstate New York, uh, shortest kid in my class, uh, you know, it was nothing big deal about me. I could never have dreamed that someday I would, I would walk the streets of a city of 180,000 people and have people I never even met come up and talk to me because they've, they've been watching the program. What a, what a thrill. Have people show up for church. We have a family that drives, speaking of driving past churches, they drive an hour and a half to come to church when they can come. And to be able to live in a culture uh, where we've had all these opportunities. When, when the Lord opened the TV um, in, in 1979, gave me a contract for three months. And I said, well, there's no way they're gonna let me do this more than that. So I got three months, I gotta do everything. So I wrote down 12 areas of conflict between the Bible and Roman doctrine. And every day for three months. That's what I talked about. Well, during that time, the bishops called the office. The bishop called. They, they wanted me off. They wanted to take my spot and all that. But I had a contract. So the three months are over. I walked into the office and I said to the boss, I said, you know, I just stopped by. I wanted to renew the contract. He said, yeah, let's do it for six months this time. And we started out like that. And it's been on every day. Every day since then. 1979. But God could do all these things that we can't do. We think about plans. What are you going to, how are you going to reach Italy? Are you going to walk up the door? I'm from your local Baptist church, you know. 
What are you going to do? How are you going to get people? And God gave us the means. We had TV, we have TV, we had radio for almost 40 years. We had to close recently because of finances, basically. But um, we're entering homes, entering homes with the gospel. And to have people show up, uh, there's a new families attending uh, that had followed the TV for a long time. Their daughter does school with uh, Jonathan's daughter. Another family, a lady attending, had, Francesca had a great ministry in her life. And God is blessing. God is blessing. And as we trust God and step forward, the sky's the limit. And one thought that I always keep, and I want to close with this. Wonderful thing about serving God is that all your efforts, any results you happen to see, you're taking those people to heaven with you. They're going to be there. I mean, I, I love carpentry. My grandfather was a carpenter. And I, I admire these guys. They build these beautiful cupboards, you know. And, and you can be a witness for the Lord as a carpenter. We have a young man who was saved in our church who is a, has a body shop. In, he's now in Michigan. And he wants to be a witness for the Lord. What does he do? After he does the job, he gives them the bill. They pay the bill. And then he hands him a $20 bill and gives a testimony of his faith in Christ. He's using his job to get the gospel out. And that's wonderful. But you know, there's not one carpenter who's been able to take a cabinet to heaven with him. Don't you serve God? You invite, invest in the life of people. Those people are going to be with us forever in heaven. Is that exciting? It's exciting to me. So I praise God for the privilege of serving him and the prize of the ministry to be able to spend eternity with my Savior and people who, through our testimony, heard about Christ for the very first time. And my prayer is for each of you that you will find what God has for you in this local church, how you can serve him here. And who knows? There may be somebody out of this church that God's going to send to Italy and help us in the great ministry there that there is to accomplish for God's glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the privilege of serving you. We acknowledge that we are nothing. We are zero. We're not worth it. We wonder why you even saved us. But we know you saved us because we need to serve you. And we need to be busy doing that. Lord, I pray that you'll help us as your people to take seriously our job of being witnesses in all the world, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth, we pray. Bless Pastor and all those who are involved in the leadership of the church. Use them for your glory and to the last member that they would be involved in serving you with joy so that the word of God can go forward in this area for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.